Welcome to the Fresh Fiction Podcast. My name is Danielle Jackson-Dresser. And I'm Gwen Reyes. This week, we have a fabulous interview with Melanie Johnson about her new book, Too Good to Be Real, and we chat about escapism and what that means to us in the media we consume. Danielle and I are going to also update each other on our polls from last week, and we're going to talk about what's bringing us joy and comfort this week. Gwen, what's new? Oh my goodness. (laughs) So much yet so little is in my life. Well, I'm very excited to talk to you guys about my, uh, what's bringing me comfort. So I'm not going to spoil that because it's also going on currently in the background of my uh, recording. Um, So uh, I'm doing really well though. Like this has just been a really good week at work. Um, I had a lot of events, so I felt very like fulfilled by Mm -hmm. just constantly going. Um, but I'm also exhausted. What yeah. about you? How's your week going? It's going well. It, you know, it's kind of funny. It suddenly got very cloudy. And so it's like, it changes the vibe of, cause we'd been having, it'd been so hot and then in Illinois, and then it finally, the heat finally broke a bit. Although yesterday was still, it was still very warm, but it wasn't as sticky as it has been. Weather in Chicago changes quite quickly. And this summer has been just like whiplash. It's been like either kind of cold or it's been very hot. This week has been, it's been a really good week too. I think it's, it feels like we feel like we're in the middle of summer, you know, I don't know. It's summer. We don't really have too much going on. It's kind of nice. And I know, but you know, we have like a few more weeks and then school starts again, which is wild (laughs) to think about. What is one good thing you've achieved this week? Okay. So one thing that I have been really proud of this week is I've been going to bed by 1030. I went to bed by 1030 every single night this week in my own bed, not like fall fall asleep on the couch woke up at 1am and moved myself to bed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like just been trying to be more mindful of the, the dreaded self-care word. I love self-care though. Just kind of be more mindful of that in my mental health and also just preparing for the fact that eventually the sun won't always be out for us. Yeah. And I want to still be able to wake up at like 530, um, mm-hmm. six o'clock in the, when it's dark out all the time. Yeah. Just kind of keeping myself prepared for that. So, so yeah, that's mine. That's good. I am really impressed that you're going to bed so like early and consistently, which I think is the biggest part Yeah. of like good sleep is being consistent in your bedtime routine. I feel like a little kid. I'm like, it's 830. I need to go to bed. (laughs) 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 But what about you? You've had such a fun week. I know I've had, I've had like a bunch of things. I feel like I've achieved this week. Two things that are related to writing is that one, I hope I'm pretty sure I can say this, but my book that is with my editors so my debut is going to copy editing and proofreading. Like we have gotten it into it. Hopeful, you know, it's the final stage before somebody is like, you said this was on Tuesday and then two paragraphs, you said it was, you know, Friday, you know, like mm-hmm. that's kind of the stage where like someone's making sure it actually makes sense now, which is going to be great. I'm, I've said this before, but I'm being published by Berkeley is an imprint of Penguin Random House, which is the largest publisher in the world. They have a very big, probably wild schedule. So who knows when I will actually see my book again. But the next time I see it, it will be like in its closest, like it'll probably be in its final form. And the next time I see it is when it's like, this is your last chance to make any changes. There could be things that pop up where they need me to look at stuff or whatever, you know, everyone's process is different. But 
Um, so yeah, so that's very exciting. And then I finished my first draft of what will hopefully be my third book. If, you know, someone wants to publish it, we'll see, you know, I write a draft and then still on my laptop, I will go through it. And then, so that's, that's what I consider the end of my first draft. And then I usually print it out and like really go through it and make a bunch of notes and it's very messy, but yeah, so that feels good. Just kind of like have that done and start working on something new, hopefully after that. And it's just, it's a whole thing. It's like, you have to keep you have to keep going. Yeah. Got to keep that so, pipeline full. Yeah. And then my last thing that I achieved this week, we were talking about this a bit before recording, but my daughter's seventh birthday is next week. Yes. By the time this goes up, she will be seven. She's having two parties because she's little miss she's extra. Be no girl. <laughs> I know. No, she were So we, we separated her parties. Usually we do do a big kind of summer party and we, we say it's her birthday party, but it really is like, everybody get together. Um, <laughs> and it's like her friends and our friends and our family. And, you know, it's just a whole, and it's like a big open house, but because of the current circumstances we live in, we're doing a friend party one day and then a family party the next day. And they're both rel- They're going to both be pretty small. Like they're not going to be huge, but she's very excited. And we went and picked up cupcakes and, you know, the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. Love it. It's a very yeah. uh, intimate guest list. Yes. Very intimate guest list. And I mean, I'm sure my husband will listen to this after the fact, but I'm pretty sure I still, it's like three of her like really good friends who are coming. And I'm pretty sure I spent about the same amount of money I would have spent on like 12 of them all coming and hanging out. Like they're going to have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I feel like after la- last year, we didn't do anything. You know, it was like my parents and her and or my parents and my husband's parents came over and it was just like Ivy turning six, hanging out with a bunch of old people. Yeah. So this year we're making it a little more special. I love it. So <laughs> and it's me fun. Yeah. So that's, and it's been fun to like have a party to plan for and all that. So it's been great. Yeah. Well, that is a great segue into our topic for this week, which is escapism. I find yeah. party planning to be one of my favorite ways to escape because you get to do so much creative, like visualization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I like it. Yeah. I thought, so when we were brainstorming about topics, you know, I, I'm sure uh, hopefully our listeners have noticed that we kind of tie in our main <laughs> discussion point to the interview we do in some way. Sometimes it, sometimes it doesn't relate, but a lot of times it does. And I was definitely inspired by Melanie Johnson's book, Too Good to Be Real, which is what would happen if you could make your favorite rom-com movie come to life? And and we get into it in the interview with her. So I'll let her explain it because she explains it much better than I do. But it made me think of escapism. And I think it came up, it has come up in almost every review I've seen of this book, that this is pure escapism. And I was just like, escapism, like what? what does that mean? And what makes something escapist and what makes something not escapist, even Mm -hmm. though we're still consuming it for entertainment. So I thought we could chat about that Um, and start out first with what escapism means to us and like why it is important to be able to escape and what are some of the hallmarks? What what do we think makes something an an escapist read or an escapist watch? So what do you think? I really, when I think of escapism, 
um, and particularly when it comes to entertainment, I just really love the idea of disassociation, mm. like being able to completely forget what is going on in your real life and what is going on in you mentally and physically and whatever that can be. And, and as we're going to go over, it's like, mm -hmm. that's so varied per person. Um, but for me, it's like, I just want to be able to leave my mind and my body and just fade into another place or another environment. So those are the, those are sort of the hallmarks of escapism that I'm always kind of looking for. Yeah. I mean, I really think escapism can be applied to almost everything we consume. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And that's exactly. Yeah. So this was when I really started to think about it, I was like, what? what do I mean by escapism? <laughs> um, and I really think it's, it's hard to like say it's something exact, but I think it's, it's more about how it makes you feel. And I think I really agree with your, with using the word disassociate or dissociation with that. I think that makes so much sense. And it's just like, does whatever you're watching or reading or listening to, because I think music even, I didn't even think about music. And now saying me too. I was like, I didn't even, and I was, as I was making yeah. our list, I was thinking about all of the ways that you kind of can either like gravitate to a whole album mm -hmm. and that'll help you escape versus like a song or a vibe or, you know. Yeah. And I think it's, it's like all of those ways that we consume things in, in entertainment and media and culture, it's like, does it take you out of whatever your whatever you have going on in your life? And I think this year, this past year, especially finding ways to escape has been so important. And mm -hmm. I think obviously, I mean, we don't need to like get into it, but you know, everything going on with the Delta virus and, you know, mask mandates being kind of put back in place. And I think as we turn to transition into fall, just like we transitioned into fall last year, like we're going to have to be really cognizant of like where we're going and how close we're getting to people, whether we're vaccinated or not, which um, I'll just take this time to say, go get vaccinated, please, please everyone. Please for everyone. <laughs> Do your part. And I really want to go to a concert, please. I know. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but soapbox done. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I said, if it takes you out of whatever you have going on in your life, whether it's good or bad, even, you know, even if you're just like, you're having a fine time, but then you sit down and you watch the show and you just feel transported, mm -hmm. you're, that's escapist. Absolutely. So I think that's really cool. And like I said, yeah, I think it's important. I think it's part of self-care too. Like mm -hmm. just having that outlet, I think is so important. Yeah. Especially like, cause you know, we consume entertainment also to mm -hmm. learn sometimes. And I don't necessarily think my escapism is there to teach mm -hmm. me anything. It's like, I don't, I definitely subscribe to the whole concept that there is no guilty pleasure, but I yeah. definitely think like when I'm craving escapism, uh, I want it to be something that is so far away from my own life. Yeah. I agree. I think that, yeah, that's interesting about like not feeling like you're learning something or like engaging with it in a mm -hmm. certain way or something. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's talk about some of our favorite escapist entertainment sources. So do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. I had scrolled on down. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so kind of piggybacking off what you said, which is like, we've established that escapism is about a feeling. It's, mm -hmm. it's more like how film noir is a style and not necessarily yeah. a genre like escapism. I would feel is the same sort of just like there's certain tent, uh, tent poles that you're, that you're trying to achieve with it. For me, it's all about opulence. Um, and mm -hmm. as we've all, I've, 
mentioned many, many times on the podcast, I love watching rich people act crazy. Um, <laughs> so for me, it's opulence, anything that revolves around an insanely rich person, because mm-hmm. um, it's so different from my life. Uh, yeah. I just love watching, you know, like anything from good classics of Marie Antoinette mm-hmm. all the way to um, some of the films and shows that I've been really enjoying right now. But I also like love just watching the pettiness and insecurity that money brings to people. So yeah. like, especially like the in-house fighting of a real housewife show. Yeah. Like you people have really <laughs> nothing to be like in, in the base of like 95% of the rest of the population, yeah. your problems are not relatable at all. But right you can have like these petty arguments about who has like the better shoes or, or not even that it's like who is renting or buying their home. Like Mm -hmm. I love like where it comes down to those sort of just like ridiculous little things because in real life, who cares? Like that doesn't matter. Or like there's a lot of um, personal hurt that's attached to those phrases. And so like, if you're, you know, if you want to step away from it's kind of fun, some content that I've really been enjoying, I think I've mentioned the white Lotus before, but I wanted to mention it again, because I'm really liking Mike Judd's work or not Mike Mm -hmm. Judd, Mike White's work on that. Mm -hmm. It's like, takes place on an exotic island. It is all again, rich people behaving badly. (laughs) Um, It's on HBO and you can enjoy it. Um, I'm also loving this season of Real Real Housewives of Potomac because they are the epitome of petty and I live for it. Um, this season, one of the the second, uh, a, a woman who joined last season, mm-hmm. she got her uh, Real Housewives upgrade this season. So oh. She got new boobs and a new butt and like she's parading around like all of these like very fancy things. So everybody has a lot of opinions. Yeah. Very fun. Um, and then on the other side of that, I think shows like Dr. Death, um, mm-hmm. which was originally a podcast, but you can now watch the uh, series on Peacock starring the dreamy Josh Jackson, who's not dreamy in the show, but it's about <laughs> like, you know, sort of what money and power and corruption can bring to you and what, uh, how, if you're bringing money into like, say a hospital or you're bringing money into a business, like that industry will protect you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love stories like that too. Cause again, it's another sort of escapism because yeah. it's so far removed. They knew what they were doing when they cast Joshua Jackson oh, in this gosh. role. <laughs> it was perfect. It was so good. Such yeah. good casting, such great, perfect casting. I'm yeah, so yeah, yeah. Like, creeped out by him. So my first escapist entertainment source is one that we have mentioned, but we haven't really given it a deep dive. It doesn't need one at this point because it's been seven months, but I really feel like Bridgerton was like the ultimate escapist, re- or so escapist show mm-hmm. and read because I did. I ended up reading the books after I watched the first season. <laughs> It's so campy. It's so over the top. It's also really romantic, like just swoony, completely swoon worthy. I did not love everything about it. I did not love everything about the books. Um, And I think most people feel that way. You know, there are things they like about it. There are things they don't. But I was so absorbed in it when I was watching it. I was like up in my office, you know, it was because it hit, it went on Netflix on Christmas and you know so we had a bunch of stuff going on but like the day after Christmas I was like up in my office like cleaning (laughs) and watching and really what I was doing was watching watching everything on the show is just dialed up to an 11 the clothes Uh the set design the pop songs but orchestral you know I mean it's just it was so fun and I think 
for me in particular, after the stressful holiday season, which really, it really, it wasn't as stressful as it usually is, but you know, it was like, we did go see, we had, I think we had my parents over our house. Then we went to my in-laws and, you know, there's just a lot, there's mm-hmm. a lot going on. There's a lot of ri- gifts that need to be wrapped. And there's one person in the house that wraps all the gifts and it's me. <laughs> And her name's with a D. Right. And so it was like, I needed something that, and maybe that's also part of escapism too, is like, what do you need to feel like in that moment, you know, Mm -hmm. to feel like you can get away? I think that also has like a big thing to do with it in no way, shape or form related to what's going on in reality. Yeah. It's like (laughs) you're... You're just like broken and you're like, yeah. Bridgerton sounds like the best way to give. Yep. Okay. So my next pick is a show that we have both talked about a mm-hmm. million times, but it's Grey's Anatomy. And the reason I think for me, Grey's Anatomy is an escapist watch for me is that, well, I, I think I've mentioned this too. My mom is a retired nurse. Like she was, she was the head nurse in an operating room for a very big hospital in Illinois. Um, not the one you're all thinking about, although she did work for them eventually, (laughs) but anyway, they, but she was the head nurse. And so not that I like know what's going on in an operating room, but like you do get familiar with just things. And so this was my favorite part of Grey's about watching Grey's Anatomy because my mom used to subscribe to a bunch of different medical journals and magazines. She had this one that was called like nurse. It was called nursing magazine. And they would, every month, they would pick an episode of Grey's Anatomy and have an expert, like a nurse, be like, yes, this is how they sh- it should be handled, or it would have been handled, and no, this is not how this outcome would have been. Oh, and it was cool. so interesting. And I will say, like, the most out, one of the most outlandish episodes that I think people still talk about on Grey's Anatomy is the bomb episode, where... There, you know, there was a guy, he was in a civil war reenactment, a bomb went off and it just so happened, or like a cannon fired or what a gun, whatever. And it had a act, it had active ammunition, like a grenade, basically an old timey grenade, if that's a thing. Mm-hmm. And quite famously, Christina Ricci played the paramedic whose hand was in like in his body holding it. And if she moved her hand, the bomb would go off. So then she runs away and Meredith Gray sticks her hand in there. You know, it's a whole thing. My favorite thing about that episode of all the episodes is in this nursing magazine, they said that that is actually one situation where they did do like what they would have done. That's like so cool. it made sense, like how it all happened, even like even the probability, because, you know, I mean, very famous and also Kyle Chandler, which kind of got... I think put him on the radar because the character he played very briefly on Grey's Anatomy <laughs> is very similar to the coach on Friday Night's Lights, Friday Night Absolutely. Lights actually. And, but he, you know, even the, the, the probability of him actually getting the bomb out and walking with it and even like how far he got before it exploded was like, they were like, yeah, that all makes sense. Like they didn't even have any, that much to say. They were just like all these things, it all, it all were, it would all actually happen that way. But it's like, Oh, that one surgery that, you know, two people have ever done in the history of anything, like probably wouldn't have saved that, you know, that little kid's life. Like it should, you know, it did on the show. (laughs) Like, So I just think it's like, I think when, when something is so hyper-focused and, on on healthcare or surgery, I guess, on Grey's Anatomy as it is, there's so much room 
for error, but then there's also so much room for it to be nitpicked. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it is cool when someone's like, oh no, that's how it would have been. Never. I would never do anything in the medical field. So <laughs> I think maybe that's why I gravitate towards Grace Anatomy so much. But I will say after this last season, I don't know, we got to season, the next season's got to be like pretty great for me to keep watching it, I think. I know. And it's funny because it's like Ellen's not going anywhere. She's like, nope, I'm in this for the long haul. I know. It's so, <laughs> I'm like, you still want to do this? Okay, fine. I guess I'm watching it. <laughs> it's like the ultimate soap opera gig, you know, like those actors that would get soap opera yeah. jobs and they're like, I'm never leaving. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. It's really funny. I want to talk about Wes Anderson and his entire canon, if you mm-hmm. will. They are so hyper stylized. Everything is perfectly symmetrical. Everything is oversaturated. He writes with kind of the same few people, like on his rotating roster of people. And so their stories are all familiar, but also very distinct and new every single time. Um, My absolute favorites are the Royal Tenenbaums and the Grand Budapest Hotel. I just think like, you know, I mean, I think the Royal Tenenbaums was probably the first one I saw. Like, I don't think I saw Rushmore before the Royal Ten. I think I like went back and watched it. Um, and then I just remember when I saw the Grand Budapest Hotel, it made me think of the Royal Tenenbaums, even though mm-hmm. the stories are different. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I don't know. It's the, I don't, I just don't know what it is. It's just like, it's just, they're so great. They <laughs> and then so I do want to put honorable mentions though, for the fantastic Mr. Fox, because I mean, when he decided to do stop motion, animation I mean it was just it was it was incredible it was it was it both was like this looks like you know those old movies that we all used to love but it also was completely new like it was just it was really great and then I also love Moonrise Moonrise Kingdom because it was just a really fun like kind of coming of age tale but again they all they all have this like stylized look where you see it and you're like and not just because of the font that he uses for every movie right but it's just like this is a Wes Anderson movie. His and love think- of millennial pink. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Another element of escapism that I really um, are, am drawn to is mm-hmm. like travel or city as character, which yeah. I know is like such a cliche, but like that is my catnip. Oh. Like city as character. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. I've often interviewed people and said like, oh, your city is a character. And they're like, yes, I know. I hear it all the time. And I'm like, okay, cool. But like anything <laughs> that like, takes place in New York or LA or London or Paris, like where you can just again be so far away from where you are. It's just Mm -hmm. so fun. And then it just becomes, especially when that becomes the other character or they're learning something from that experience. Uh, Cause I think for me, I just always wanted to be able to be a 19 year old running around New York city. And like, I was a reasonable person and did not get to do that. So (laughs) I pretended in my head forever. Um, but some cool examples I, I really, that really made me think um, of like City as, mm-hmm. a, as a character. I thought Bittersweet, which was both a book and a television show mm-hmm. on stars about a young uh, female chef who is trying to break into the New York scene and um, yeah. New York cooking scene. And so of course, as we t- discussed last episode, we love our food. So yes. anything with that. Um, and it was a really great series that you can catch on stars. Uh, I also love uh, Christina Lawrence, filthy, uh, sweet, filthy boy. Um, <laughs> it was the start of their wild season series, but it took place in Paris. And I remember reading it on my way to Paris and Ooh. just be like feeling very connected to it because uh, I was going to the places that they were mentioning, or I had been to those places. So that was just really, it was a really yeah. cool experience. 
Um, and then I also love shows like David Chang's Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner, yeah. um, which is a travel show where he goes to different, uh, he takes like a celebrity friend and goes to a different country and has each of those meals there and has conversations with the person if they, because they let the celebrity select the restaurant they're going to go or to the country they're going to go to. And then they kind of uh, bond and share their past histories. And it's really, it's just really like, oh, I'm never going to, I don't necessarily ever see myself going to like, uh, a food a food hall in Bangkok but David Chang went for me and so that's perfect. yeah yeah that no that's really fun I agree with that so much I think I love when someone says oh it's like New York is a character in the novel or whatever I think that's so cool and that's probably a big part of it feeling like you're escaping because you really feel like you're there you know, mm-hmm. and you get a sense of it. And I like when it's also like specific, like when something happens in Park Slope in Brooklyn, you know, yeah. and it's like, and you just, you can, you know where the park is and you know where the bus stop is next to, across from the park. And you yeah, know, yeah. like, you know exactly where it is in place, like whether you've been there before or not, like you can just, it's like, you can see it. And I think that's, yeah, setting is so, so important to feeling, for something to feel like it's an escapist read. Um, or, or watch. Um, all right. So, um, I know we usually mention a couple of podcasts when mm-hmm. we do our uh, catch up segments. Um, but I just wanted to keeping within the theme, I wanted to point out a couple more that I have, I've probably mentioned before, but just really hit home mm-hmm. the, uh, the theme of escapism for me. Uh, one is who weekly, which is a bi-weekly, celebrity podcasts where the celebrity gossip news podcast where they mm-hmm. just it's complete escapism I can sit in my car and drive to the grocery store and have Bobby and Lindsay tell me all about um the different b-list celebrities that I need to know about what's going on with I'm trying but the ones we were talking about earlier were who or not who's they were more them so they're a little bit higher up like the Angelina Jolie's and yeah. stuff in the world but it's cool because you have your own um your own vernacular and your language that you develop because you kind of in, get invested with these different podcasts mm-hmm. uh and then my other favorite one currently is even the rich which I found mm-hmm. this podcast is on Wondery I found this podcast through their, the host of it also did a, a series about Jerry Falwell Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, exposing his uh, sex scandal um, and fall from working at Liberty University. They did like a whole exploration of what happened there, but they have this like every, every season's maybe like three or four episodes mm-hmm. where they talk about a different celebrity um, and a rich person. So they did one on Oprah and her industry. They did mm-hmm. one on um, the Royals. They've done one on Beyonce. Mm-hmm. They had Serena Williams. So they just kind of dig into like how they became rich and mm-hmm. um, some of the scandals involved with them too. So it's not always just like fun, like light, fluffy stuff. It's also a little bit of a scandal. Yeah. Know, so. Those are two of my favorites right now. I like that. And that's fun because it's like real people. It's like actual people. people. Yeah. It's like (laughs) true crime without having to be like true crime. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. So I have a whole bunch of books and I think my book picks really relate to your the point you made about like the city as a character, because I was thinking about it and all of these book picks have really distinct places. Um, So the first one I want to talk about is the X talk by Rachel Lynn Solomon. It came out 
earlier this year. I yeah, I think it came out like in January or February. Um, but it's set in Seattle, which is interesting because you live in Seattle now. Um, I do. Yeah, <laughs> it was funny because I was reading it and I was planning my move to Seattle. Yeah. And I was like, this is my new life. <laughs> right. And it's and I what I what I really love too though is that it's set in the world of public radio. So it's set at like a Seattle NPR affiliate. And not only is like, do you get a sense of like what people are interested in in Seattle and what they want to hear specifically on like their NPR shows, mm-hmm. but also, you know, it I could I felt like I was like, oh, I know what it means to be in a sound booth at a radio station, you know, yeah. and like how it's set up and where everyone sits and what's going on. Like, I really, I really felt like I understood where it's been now to be fair I have never been to Seattle or the Pacific Northwest and it was but it, it really felt like I it was there you know that was really cool do you I mean having read it and now you live there mm-hmm. do you feel like it was authentic <laughs> it's fun because I think that there was a lot more like rain in the book mm. than I've had a chance to experience so far <laughs> yes well it is summer so it is exactly I was like so it's weird <laughs> Because like we're in this time period of Seattle that I don't ever think that most people think of for mm-hmm. Seattle. It's like very sunny and bright and nice, but yeah, it is. It's just so it was so fun reading her, even just describing like driving on the highways. Because I was like, I know yeah. what she's talking about. I know exactly what she means. These mm-hmm. are oh these locations. I know exactly what she's talking about. So yeah, I loved it. And then my next book pick is Pumpkin. It's a graphic novel. It's called Pumpkin Heads by Rainbow Rowell and Faith Aaron Hicks. And it's set at a small town pumpkin patch on Halloween night. I read this book every year, like the week leading up to Halloween, because it is just, you feel like you're in a small town pumpkin patch. It's really, it's a really, and it's also just a really sweet story about two friends who kind of over the course of the novel figure out that maybe they're more than friends and it's YA. So it, you know, it's very sweet and very fun, but I mean, it's like, you can smell the cider, you know, Mm -hmm. and you can, you can like feel the, when you step in like a mashed pumpkin, you know, that everyone else in the entire place has stepped on and you can Mm -hmm. like hear the wind going through the the corn stalks. Like it's really, really fun. Um, Highly recommend it. Another one that I want to mention is Wild Women in the Blues by Denny S. Bryce, which is set in 1920s Chicago, which I think is a time and a place that gets a lot of attention, but this is set in Bronzeville, which is where all of like the black jazz clubs were. Oh, cool. And it was like any jazz singer or musician that you've heard about from the 1920s and the 1930s, like they got more than likely got their start mm-hmm. in Bronzeville, you know, and it's, and it was really, it was, it was just, it was a really cool book. And still, I know I've said this, it's hands down my, still my favorite cover book cover of night of this year um so go look at it just for that and then buy it because it's great and then mm-hmm. <laughs> and then finally I want to mention um Sarah McLean's bare knuckle bastard series which is set in Covent Garden and it's but it's set in like the seedy underworld of Covent Garden you know it's not yeah. all ballrooms and pretty dresses and dances like the people who are coming from kind of the ton and society and the aristocracy are like finding their themselves, you know, hanging out with quite frankly criminals yep. and, <laughs> and falling in love with them. And it's amazing. 
but you know, so, but it, it's, I mean, it was just as fun to read because I love reading historical romance and like getting swept up and going to, you know, to the doll, the ball being held by the Duke. Mm-hmm. But in this, it was like, it was still just as fun to go, you know, to go to the pub with these people where, you know, they're, they're having fun too. So, so yes, that's fun. And then, like I mentioned at the top, um, Melanie's book, Too Good to Be Real is just kind of the ultimate rom-com fantasy come to life. Mm-hmm. And it's still, you know, it's still a contemporary romance. It's still really fun. Now we're going to do something different because I always do this. I always like on the flip side. I, I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm here for any sort of challenge Danielle throws at me. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but what I thought we could still, I still think though, what I'm about to say can still be kind of considered escapist a little mm-hmm. But it's what's something that reminds you of home or like make, but it still makes you feel completely at ease. Like it's still like the feeling of escapism, but it's not escapism. Right. Does that make make any sense? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. You go first. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. This one was so hard because I, I was like, well, any sort of family comedy. I was, my instant thought was Mm -hmm. married with children, which I know my mom (laughs) is listening to this podcast and she would be very upset about that. So I'm not saying that I'm actually (laughs) picking, um, a food show. I'm picking good eats because Alton Brown really inspired our family to like start cooking at home more and mm. learning about eating and, and learning about cooking and not, not learning about eating and cooking. Obviously we knew those things, yeah. but like learning about the science behind cooking and how things worked and how to be more efficient in the kitchen and how to like, just really be more mindful of stuff. And mm-hmm. so now, even though Alton Brown is sort of a problematic person now at this point in his life, um, yeah. I still see him and I still think of my of my family because it, it was so exciting to be able to watch that show with my mom and my brother and learn how to hone our skills of cooking together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I see it now, I'm always like, oh, oh that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, okay. So mine is a TV show and it's a show we have also talked about quite a bit or at least mentioned and brought up, but it's Blackish. Watching Blackish, especially the early episodes or the early seasons, was really like watching my own family. I mean, you know, I there I don't have a twin or anything like that. They're just it's just me and my brother. But the, I think there is something to be said. And I think especially in those early seasons, there is something to be said for a, like black families who live in this is like coming from such a place of privilege, but like who are part, like live in middle mm-hmm. to middle upper class yeah. places. That's, I mean, that's where I grew up. It's, mm-hmm. it's where my parents got their jobs and it's where we, you know, we live in the predominantly white suburbs and we still live there. <laughs> but so there were certain, it was just like, you know, I was like, I remember for a while she, I can't remember who the actress, but she's a pretty good character actress, but she was like their nosy neighbor mm-hmm. who was always checking to see what they were doing. And I was like, yes, we had those neighbors who were like always wondering what we were doing. Yeah, those well-meaning <laughs> it like, neighbors. It was like my dad was washing the cars, you know, and that's what it, <laughs> that's what he was doing, you know? So it was just like some of those early circumstances, you know, and just like expectations at school for both me and you know for like for me it was like I was always supposed to be the smartest one and then my brother was always really good at sports and it was like that is how we existed and I think you know and then like so watching those kids kind of figure out how to navigate that on their own without and their parents were there and would interfere but then they would kind of they were kind of like oh no you just have to figure this out 
And I, I was like, I can relate to that too. You know, it was so, so that show really, I was going to say, I kind of have like fallen off watching it regularly, but I, I mean, I still watch it, but um, especially those first like three, four, five seasons were yeah, really, sure. I was like, this is my family. But I mean, I really love that show anyway. And I, I mean, I am, I'm going to have to watch it because I think this is this upcoming season is the last season. So I think so, which is so heartbreaking. I know. I'm waiting for oldish. That's the one I really want. <laughs> I really want to see the parents in their own. Life. Yeah, they're the so funny. They are so funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. I, I freaking love Blackish so much. All right, guys, we are going to be right back after this interview with Melanie Johnson. Melanie, thank you so much for joining us for the podcast today. We're so excited to have you. Hi, hello. Thanks for having me. I want to jump right in and talk about Too Good to Be Real, which is your new book. And I think it's one of those romance novel plot lines that readers will wish was real. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's a rom-com resort that brings to life rom-com situations. So I was wondering if you could just tell us where this delightful idea originated. Out of nowhere, like quite literally, it was one of those lightning bolt moments I call them those you know gifts from the muse that come they're so rare and when they hit they're like boom yeah (laughs) I was working on a proposal for my next series for St. Martin's Press Um, my agent uh, my editor and I had talked about it a bit gotten ideas for what we wanted to do and I was kind of starting to flesh out a storyline that was based a little bit off of 10 things I hate about you so I was kind of just playing with that a little bit and it was good, but it wasn't great. Like you just know when you're writing something, you're like, okay, you weren't mm-hmm. getting that little, you know, spidey tingling of, oh, this is really good. Yeah. So yeah. I, was working, I was working at it. And then out of nowhere, I'm like, well, what if you could actually be in that world and experience that moment of Heath Ledger on the bleachers singing to you? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And then it was just like, kablam. <laughs> like, like, yes. Why don't we have that? And so I, I emailed my editor and I said, okay, this might be a little bit bananas, but could you call me? <laughs> and so she gets on the phone with me and we had been working on a proposal for, for about a month. Like I was pretty close to where we were going to take it to submission. And I'm like, what if we drop that and do this instead? And I told her the idea. And as, as soon as I told her, like, it's kind of Austin land for rom-com lovers, uh-huh. she gasped. And her gasp told me all I needed to know. Like, mm-hmm. it was because people talk about high concept and I'm like I don't know what that means half the time mm-hmm. like, high concept, what is that like how do you how do you put high concept into words yeah Austin right. for rom-com lovers you immediately get what that is that's what Absolutely. high concept is when you say like a small sentence mm-hmm. like that and you can immediately envision what that means I didn't like sit around and toil and sweat coming up with that it just like was there the toil and sweat came later. How did you even narrow it down for like what rom-coms to include? Yeah. Because there it's, you know, the whole book is full (laughs) of of rom-com Easter eggs. I mean, every page, literally. (laughs) 
there are there are a lot and then I tried to play play around with it where there were there were obvious ones and then there were subtle ones people who don't know rom-coms really well will pick up on the more obvious ones the more iconic ones Mm -hmm. and then I try to slip in some newer ones as well and we actually did pull a few out but in general I do I did want to try and give a couple of special like easter egg treats for the real rom-com lovers who would pick up on the more subtle ones too but there are there are a lot I don't know if I planned which ones to include like it just as I was drafting a lot of it comes from obviously the ones that I have watched and enjoyed I think the only ones where I went looking was when I was trying to think of how many rom-coms included paintball because because I could like name several right away and then I was like well are there more and so I kind (laughs) of I googled that and that's when I found um I think it's This Means War. I think that's the rom-com with Reese Witherspoon and Chris yeah. Pine and Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. And yeah. I'm like, Reese Witherspoon, Chris Pine and Tom Hardy. How have <laughs> I not seen this yet? <laughs> but I went and found that and watched it. But that was like one of the few rom-coms I hadn't seen and watched specifically for the book. And mm-hmm. there's a, I have a list. I have a long list of rom-coms I have yet to watch. And I've slowly been working through them. And what's funny to me is when I do watch another one, Mm-hmm. And a lot of these elements that I included in the book are in the movie because they are so um, embedded in the rom-com world. Well, you know, the label rom-com gets thrown around so much these days, uh, you mm-hmm. know, it's attached to anything, just the spectrum is so wild, but um, your books are definitely romantic as well as 100% funny. Um, what do you find are the elements that make a wonderful rom-com? Yeah, that's a good point. Cause I do think that I, and I, a lot of this is, you know, it just happens when there's a trend and like mm-hmm. things just get tossed into that, that basket, regardless of what they actually are. And it can be frustrating for a reader. If you're like, I'm trying to find a funny book, this is supposed to be a funny book and it's not. Right. And it's no fault of the author. It's just how it got labeled and what the expectations become. Uh, my books definitely are funny. <laughs> like, I, that's mm-hmm. like, like that's something where I, I, I do, I do enjoy a book that makes me laugh. So I mm-hmm. do tend to lean that direction. Um, I think elements of a rom-com for, for me, the banter, there's gotta be a lot of, a lot of um, natural humor that comes out in the dialogue between the characters, mm-hmm. which I think you see in, in romantic comedies as well. And something that I learned as an actress um, in, in, in theater is that you can't force funny. Right. Uh, people will know, like they will immediately pick up on it. And you can't, like you, if you're, if you're in a funny scene, you can't find the scene funny yourself. You have to take it 100% seriously yeah. so the audience can enjoy it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that when I'm writing the dialogue, I'm not writing it with the intention of being funny so much as I'm writing it with these characters in mind and how they would deal with these situations. I know this sounds bonkers, but sometimes the characters, when they're talking to each other, like I hear them all in my head. Like I hear each character's distinct voice. I think that's the most important thing is when you're, if you're, if you're writing dialogue and trying to make it funny, it, mm-hmm. it, not necessarily going to come across the same way as if you're staying true to those characters and it'll happen. I'm guilty of trying to force my characters into a situation and mm-hmm. then they just don't cooperate. Mm-hmm. And that's when you know you're going down the wrong <laughs> path. You're like, okay, how do I fix this? It's not working and it's not working because this person wouldn't say or do this thing just because right. I want them to, because it would be funny. You know, like I knew I wanted paintball in the book because so often paintball happens in rom-com movies and in rom-com books. Cause mm, I had yeah. just read several in a row that had paintball. Mm. Uh, you know, the hating game has paintball, the honey, uh, the unhoneymooners has paintball. And so I'm like, I have to <laughs> make sure that there's paintball in this book. Right. And then 
But I, that's what I knew I wanted, but actually making it happen in the book, it didn't play out at all like I expected. Like I was expecting there to be kind of this, you know, romantic, physical activity between the hero and heroine. And that's not, that's not right. what happened. <laughs> um, so that you know, that's fun too. When you think of a romantic comedy, what's like kind of the first book that comes to mind or the first movie that comes to mind? Oh my goodness. So like if I had like, the, the, I think the like the penultimate or that's like second best so that's not the right word but I think like the 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 ultimate romantic comedy that everybody automatically thinks of so often is when Harry met Sally mm-hmm. so I'd have to go with that one and I definitely give it give a you know a wink with much more than a wink <laughs> to, to when Harry met Sally and in the book as far as as far as rom-com books go right now I think the iconic rom-com or the rom-com of our age is is um the hating game I think that burst onto the scene and kind of everyone in publishing's head swiveled in that direction so I would definitely agree and the and the the book is I mean the banter in that is just that's so much of that book is the banter between those two characters mm-hmm. I think for romantic comedy I was gonna say Harry Miss Sally but I knew that was gonna be on the nose so I'm actually <laughs> gonna go with one of my absolute favorites and comfort films which is You've Got Mail still mm-hmm. staying with that Nora Ephron vibe mm-hmm. yeah just the I mean, problem is that it's not really a romantic comedy but I was gonna say Bridget Jones's Diary that counts yeah because I just oh yeah that definitely counts I was in middle school when Clueless came out and I think of Clueless because well and this is probably says more about me than it says about the movie but there were like the people who got the humor of Clueless like Mm-hmm. And not, you know, of which I was one, even yeah. as like a 12 year old, but I thought, you know, I got it. Like, it was funny. It was great. And then there were the people who like wanted to be Cher. Uh-huh. Did <laughs> I get the like, irony? No, yeah. And it was like, no, that's not, that's not the point. <laughs> and so, but yeah, but I mean, I just, I think of that, I think of that movie all like probably once or twice a day, honestly, like I can think of a clueless reference. Like I love it so much. Um, and then as far as a book the book that I think made me laugh so much last year especially was The Worst Best Man by Mia Sosa I just I remember reading reviews of it before I even read it which was early like before it was in stores but early reviews of that book saying like no this is actually a romantic comedy like it is a romance and it is funny so Melanie something that we take very seriously here at the podcast is uh what brings us comfort and joy we talk about things that make us happy the things that help us unwind after a particularly hard days. Um, what are some things that have been making you happy uh, recently within the last few weeks? Things that have been making happy. You know, oh, uh, the weather has been nice. So I've been mm-hmm. finally able to go outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I live in Chicagoland where the weather can be terrible. Even in the spring, usually we mm-hmm. often get snowstorms over spring break. Mm-hmm. Not so this year. We've had weather in the 60s the last couple of days and I've been mm-hmm. outside every day getting some some miles in, listening to audiobooks while I walk. So definitely um, nice weather, fresh air, and the ability yeah. to, to, to get some exercise outside. What have you been listening to? What audiobooks have you listened to? So I'm, I'm still finishing up um, the uh, Get a Life, Chloe Brown. Mm-hmm. So by Talia Hibbert, I'm finishing, mm-hmm. I'm finishing that audiobook up because I only listen when I am walking. So I, I, it's in, in chunks. Like yeah. an, hour, an hour at a time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm still listening to that one. And then um, I want to listen to, 
actually Denny Bryce, who's going to be our Boozy Book Broads yeah. guest this this month and in, in April, mm-hmm. I want to listen to Wild Woman in the Blues next. I hear that's going to be a phenomenal audiobook. Yeah. She was just talking about it today because she did an interview with some audiobook service. I can't remember. Not not Audible, but some other one. And she was yeah. looking forward to that next. <laughs> what can readers expect from you next? Aside from Too Good to Be Real. <laughs> yeah, so Too Good, Too Good to Be Real comes out July 6th. And um, so I think this is like the perfect, if people finally, finally are getting vaccinated, they get out mm-hmm. to the beach, you can relax. And this is truly a beach read. And I have no shame in saying that this is the kind of book you take with you to escape while you're escaping. Yeah. Um, just kind of leave it all behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next, um, so the next up is the follow-up book to this book, which is currently titled Too Wrong to Be Right, but that could change. I, you know, mm-hmm. you never know. Yeah. Um, and it is um, one of the characters in the book, uh, one of the friends, Kat, it's mm-hmm. her book. So she gets her. And it is, um, it takes rom-com trope, it's still following the same thing of taking very common rom-com tropes. In this case, we have four weddings and a funeral. And st- instead, it's four funerals and a wedding. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like it. And there is an homage to While You Were Sleeping, the whole While You Were Sleeping oh. plot. plot. So, yes, yes, yes. There, uh, there might be some fake engagement things happening. I love it. I love it so much. It makes me, now I'm like, oh, I want you to have a little movie playlist for each uh, book. <laughs> like the five rom-coms that go with Oh, that's book. like, yeah, I thought about, I tinkered with that idea. Like, you know, uh, all the, what rom-coms have been mentioned in the book, like mm-hmm. what, what Easter eggs were hidden. Can you find them in the book and, and Ooh, yeah. rom-coms yeah. to watch? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Where can readers connect with you online? You can find me on Instagram under the writing lush. I'm also there under Melanie Johnson. Uh, but if you were looking for bookish stuff, you want to stick with the writing lush and um, my Facebook, I have a Facebook group called the reading lushes. And mm-hmm. that is the best place to find me online because Facebook can be weird. So if you want to mm-hmm. actually connect um, my reading lushes, it's a fun place where all my readers you know, hang out and talk with me or without me about, you know, cocktail recipes, fun things they find on the internet. There's been a lot of Corgi uh, posts because of the Corgis in Too Good to Be Real. (laughs) Actually, recently, there's been a lot of hedgehog posts because I don't know how this happened. So I told my editor when I turned in the draft of this next book, I somehow have created, you know, stories that require, you know, strange animals. (laughs) So, so it's too good to be real. We have the the thieving seagulls mm-hmm. and the, the corgi parade. And in Too Wrong to Be Right, there is a hedgehog that oh gets adopted. Gosh. And um, there is a swearing cockatoo that lives at the funeral. Yeah. <laughs> I love and it. And he swears in an Irish accent because of who owned him. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so and my my reader groups and that's how my reader group helped me name him his name is Seamus Seamus the swearing cockatoo <laughs> great name yeah that's perfect <laughs> that's great awesome um so yes they can find me on Facebook and that's Melanie Johnson and um yeah this, you, and melaniejohnson.com also very easy to find me awesome well Melanie thank you thank you thank you so much for joining us this afternoon we really appreciate it yeah. and um we hope we'll have you back as a guest in the future but, yeah thanks for having me it was a pleasure this was fun <laughs> Thank you. 
And we're back. And that was such a fun interview with Melanie. I loved that we just basically talked about rom-coms for, you know, like really in reality, probably like over an hour with her, but you know, however long it ends up in the final form. <laughs> we're still talking to her about it. It's like, a, a yes, non- <laughs> she's on mute. She's on mute currently. <laughs> Not really. That'd be, that'd be that'd really be strange. so sad. Melanie's like, here. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about our goals. So last time I wanted to pick a baking recipe to perfect. It's something that I kind of do every year. So I've decided I really want to perfect making puff pastry because it's the basis of so many things, you Mm -hmm. know, whether it's just making croissants or it's like making my own Danish or whatever. I think that's what I want to work on. The caveat with this, though, is that my kitchen gets really hot because I have all windows and it gets a ton of sun, like it gets sun all day, basically. Um, So I have to I have to wait. I have to put it on hold until it actually cools off a bit because Mm -hmm. it is so important for the butter to stay cold, even when you're working it. You know, obviously you put it in the fridge before, you know, between each turn, blah, blah, blah. But So I think I need to wait. So I do need to figure out like maybe a mini project. I don't know. So this one is, I've decided what I want to do. I just can't do it. Yeah. It's (laughs) just weird. It's not the right time. You know, you're just going to think about it. You're going to visualize it and prepare for the fall. Yeah. Okay. So how about you? I mean, I completely understand. My goal last time was to find a fried chicken recipe for my air fryer. Uh, The closest I got to was actually getting my air fryer. It arrived this week. Um, have you used it? I have not. I opened it up yesterday. It came <laughs> on Wednesday, I think, mm-hmm. but I was really busy. So I just threw it into the laundry room and mm-hmm. moved on with my life. Um, but I opened it last night to get to the instruction book out. I'm reading that. Uh, no, I haven't used it, but I'm going to try it this weekend. So I is will... it very large? Can we, it is... you should send it so I can put it, which one it is in front in, oh, yeah. um, in show I, notes. I will absolutely send you a picture of it. Cause I had to take a okay. picture of it to send to Cuisinart to register it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I go in it to my husband and I was like, babe, I, uh, I, I'm taking a picture of our new child so I can register <laughs> it. He's like, child, what? It's like the new air fryer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I mean, at least you took it out of the box, Gwen. Yep. That's important. I feel like it's true. My my friend Alicia gave me a good tip, which was like, as long as it's not soup, you can put it in the air fryer. <laughs> <laughs> Easy enough. <laughs> Maybe you laugh so hard. <laughs> so do you have a new goal this week, Danielle? Yes. As everyone has heard me complain about the, the month of June on this <laughs> podcast and how wild of a month it was all good things but it was just I was all over the place yeah nothing was in our normal routine which in retrospect was fine it ended up being fine yeah however somehow I did write stuff but I you know when I finished this first draft of my work in progress but I've got to get back into a regular Mm -hmm. writing routine it is just I think it's really important. I feel better when I do, even if it's like I write two sentences, Yeah. but I've still like written something with intent <laughs> <laughs> that needs to happen again. You know? So usually what I do is I give myself really small writing goals. Like it'll, it'll be like write two paragraphs or write, mm-hmm. you know, 700 words or whatever it is. And then I can kind of work my way up to that. So I've kind of been doing that 
over the last couple of weeks, but even, even then, you know, like I've been planning two birthday parties, you know, and, and just stuff. So it is, it's really just trying to figure carving out that time to write. So that's my goal. What is your goal for this week? I love that goal so much. So mine in a similar vein, um, I have been trying to stay organized, um, in, my physical, my physical realm, as well as my virtual realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did something I have never done in my life. Ooh. I cleaned out my entire inbox, organized everything. am now in the habit of moving things over. I haven't made filters yet. Mm-hmm. Like my husband or rules or whatever. Yeah. Cliff has like gotten on me about that. I'm like, that's a next step, <laughs> but just <laughs> yeah. maintaining a clean inbox space. Uh, I would like to continue to do that. Um, and maybe even put it into other virtual inboxes that I have because my Gmail is a nightmare, but at least my work email is clean. That is nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's impressive. Mm -hmm. It it took me a month. (laughs) I, I mean, I'm not surprised. I just, I feel like email inboxes are the wild west. They just, they get out of control. (laughs) Out of control. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. It is crazy. (laughs) But it's comforting to know that since we're actually recording this on a Friday, um, that's one of the biggest comforts, but that is, we're ready to talk about our comforts for this week. What's your comfort, Danielle? Okay. So this week, I don't know what made me, and actually this is, this started like a week, maybe a week ago. I don't know what made me think of it, but I was like, in my kitchen, my very hot kitchen. <laughs> and because it was, it was like 95 degrees here. It was very warm. Yeah. You had a horrible heat wave. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a lot. Um, but I was like looking at my deck and I was like, Oh, I wish we could go sit on our deck. Oh, because our deck, and this is all a digression, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Mm-hmm. Our deck, we have a giant umbrella that is great, but <laughs> If you don't open it regularly, guess what likes to fly up your giant umbrella and make nests in it? Ew. Wasps. No. So I was like, we were having people over, was having some friends over and I like started to open it and I looked up and I was like, that's a wasp nest. Oh, and there's another one. I'm going to close this back up and uh-huh. tie it tight and leave it alone <laughs> and probably order a new one. No, we're, we've, we have the thing we, you know, the spray to get rid of them. I'm with you. However, you burn it to the ground. <laughs> basically that's what I told me. I was like, can we have another umbrella delivered in the next hour? And he was like, <laughs> no. <laughs> like, okay. So we're just not sitting on the deck. Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> but anyway, now that I don't touch the umbrella, it's very sunny on our deck <laughs> all the time. And I was like, oh, do you know, I was, I told my daughter, I was like, do you know what we could do? We could make sun tea. Like we have a big dispenser we can put, and it's so hot. It's uh-huh. sunny all the time. We're going to make sun tea. So we did last week, we made just like black tea, but then we put in some strawberry hibiscus tea bags. So we like made our own little Mm -hmm. fruity tea. And then this week we made, it's all, it's black tea, but then we also put in peppermint tea bags and it's, it's just delightful. I don't know why it tastes better. I don't know what it It is. It just tastes better. It's so great. Maybe because it's a slow brew. 
Mm-hmm. And you leave it out there. Like, I think we left them out there for like six or seven hours. Like we just let it go. And it's so fun. I'm pretending it's science. I don't know. Yeah. I told, I was like, it's yeah, it's science. science. It's science. This is why this is happening. The sun, it's science. <laughs> my daughter was like, okay. And she's like, can I just have some tea now? <laughs> you know, like, I don't need a lesson mom with everything. Um, that's like the extent of like my summer teaching. <laughs> it's like, it's science. We're making sun tea. It's great. Um, so yeah, so sun tea is making me very happy and it is, and it's just, it feels very delightful to just like have it. I don't know. Yeah, what about I love, you? I, I yours is amazing. I can't, I cannot <laughs> wait for this. Please tell me what's making you happy this week. So what's making me happy this week is spying on my neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> You're like Gladys Kravitz. I love it. <laughs> so like, Every morning, um, like if I can, we'll go sit on our pet on our balcony and like mm-hmm. have coffee out there with our dog. Nice. And like, what, cause we're usually what we're doing is watching the other people walk their dogs to see when is a good time to take Ronan out because he just does not do very well when there's mm-hmm. like lots of dogs distracting him. Yeah. Um, so we're, we'll sit out there and then like across the way, the complex across the street from us or across the corridor from us is getting repainted. And it's mm-hmm. been like this two week process and I do not approve of their colors. Like I have questions about it. Danielle, <laughs> they've used four different shades of gray, No, nope. four different shades of gray. Mm-hmm. Nope. And it doesn't make any sense. Cause it used to be like multicolored and really, mm-hmm. yes, it needed like a freshening up but at least it looked reflective of like the neighborhood that we're yeah. around. This is just like, a, it's going to look like a dentist's office. It's like oh the gosh. entire apartment complex will be a dentist's office, but I've been enjoying that. Um, mm-hmm. We heard a neighbor the other day having very, very loud uh, um, boning time. <laughs> it's like I can't come up with a better phrase. They were having relations. Sex. They perhaps. were having very loud relations um, <laughs> either on their balcony or in their apartment. But I just oh. It was like in the afternoon. It was like four o'clock. It was <laughs> echoing off all of the buildings around us. Like at one point, a man in the building across on the fourth floor, he yelled, he sees Cliff and me standing there like laughing. And he's like, do you hear that? And I was like, yeah, of course we hear that. He's like, oh, someone's having, someone's consummating their marriage. So it's just been very fun getting to know my neighbors on all different levels. Oh my gosh. I love this. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I, I agree. So my office faces the front of our house. Mm-hmm. And so I can see, so there are these two, these two, they're very nice. They're very nice. They're like, I think one, I think they're both in college now, but they, and they have a pool in their backyard. Ooh, nice. So their driveway is like, it, or just people are coming and going all the time. Like they they always have their friends over, and I think they they must have family in the area because it's just like there's there are always people going over. So I'm always like distracted from my uh-huh. writing that I'm trying to get into a regular. I know routine. I was like gonna close that window. But I'm I know I should, but I it's too fun. It's so funny. And um and yeah, but they're always they're all and it's like, oh, is this a girlfriend? Like I'm always like, what's happening? Oh, are they gonna kiss? Like I'm such a dork. But and then I'm then I'm like also like you're creepy. Please stop. Um, to myself. So. <laughs> or is it research and you can write their stories out? Perhaps. Yes. Maybe I'll start writing YA romance. Maybe that's what'll happen. <laughs> it's just um, like, that's how they met. And then 10 years later, they're adults now. This is true. You know what? I like it. You're justifying my, my spying. Yeah, I'm not, it's called research for a reason. <laughs> yes. Research. <laughs> 
Well, Gwen, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> I think we can end things. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, time to go back to researching, yes. <laughs> aka spying on my neighbors. <laughs> Definitely. Um, <laughs> so as always, everyone, we love, love, love when you subscribe or follow and rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. You can, of course, follow Fresh Fiction on all the socials at Fresh Fiction. You can follow me at D Jackson Books. And you can follow Gwen at Real Vixen. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, this was fun. And I'm looking forward to talking to you again soon. (laughs) Me too, Danielle. Have such a fun weekend.